good morning, and uh, it's good to see you today. If you don't know me, my name is Josh, and uh, one of the pastors here. And, uh, you know, it's an exciting day, as uh, Pastor Dave shared, just for us to be able to look back a bit and see how God's been good to us in the last year and also look forward and to trust him uh, for his uh, leading and his good, good things he has in store for us for the coming year. And uh, so we're going to do that. We're also today uh, going to be wrapping up our series in parables. And so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 25, uh, continuing from where we left off last Sunday. And... Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to a good morning. So before we dive in, uh, let me pray. And uh, then we're gonna jump into Matthew chapter 25 today. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus and uh, Lord, the opportunity to learn from you. Uh, help, help us, grow us, Lord, give us joy and hope. Help us see that uh, you are a good uh, God, a good master, a good shepherd who owns and loves us and uh, that, that you've given us work to do. You've commissioned us and, uh, to, to improve your assets, to bring back a good return to you. And so uh, there's great joy in that, Lord. So I pray you'd give us joy today. And uh, Father, we thank you for uh, the future, whatever you have in store for us, and to help us to continue to trust you and follow you, and uh, that we might see even more of your joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, as I mentioned, we've been in this series called Parables where we're looking at stories that Jesus told in his ministry called Parables. And a parable is simply a story that Jesus would tell with the intent to teach us something about life in that story. It wasn't just a story for a good story's sake. It was actually, there was intention behind it. And so he would tell those so that some people who really just uh, didn't really want to follow him, they just go, oh, he's a good storyteller. That's a good story. But others who wanted to lean in and really learn from him, it would be a story that would illustrate and teach. And so again, as we wrap this up, my uh, encouragement and exhortation of you is to lean in and he who has ears, she who has ears to hear, let them hear what uh, God would say to us today. And so Jesus begins in uh, Matthew chapter 25 and uh, actually continues, I should say, in verse 14. Last Sunday, uh, we looked at parables Jesus was telling in Matthew 24 and 25. And, and Jesus had given some instructions to his disciples about his return. They were asking him, hey, when it, when's this gonna be? What, what should we look for as far as your coming? And so he gave them some pretty clear instructions. And one of the ways he does that, though, is he did it with parables. And so he said, uh, first, you know, he told uh, some parables where he's like, hey, you, I could come back at any moment. Nobody knows the time or the hour, so, so wait ready for my return. And then a uh, couple breaths later, he tells a parable of, uh, the, uh, to the point that he might not come back for a long time, so live strategically. If I don't come back right away, and it's not for a long time, live strategically so that your life might outlive yourself and, and you could invest even in generations further down the road. Well, today we get more instruction on how to wait for Jesus to return. And in verse 14, he begins this way. I'm not gonna have it on the screen for you today, so you can uh, just listen or you can follow along in your own copy of scripture or even grab one out of the pew racks in front of you there. And uh, verse 14, he begins like this. He says, for it, the kingdom of God, it'll be in my coming, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and he entrusted to them his property. He gave uh, to one five talents he gave uh, to another two and to a third one talent to each according to his ability and then he went away. 
Now, um, let's just stop there for a minute. The word talents here, this is often referred to as the parable of the talents, which uh, maybe you hear that and you're like, uh, talents, I don't have any talents. I'm not really good at much. What's this about? This is kind of strange. And how does he leave talents for people? Well, it's not talents. It's kind of a translation that doesn't help us when they translate that word as talents because really what it is is it's a unit of measurement in that day. It equated about 75 pounds, a talent was, and it was often used to measure money, silver and gold. And so a talent would be basically a 75-pound bag of gold or silver, Now, let's just use silver as an example. Let's say that the talent was a bag of silver. Uh, Well, uh, he gives this guy uh, five bags of it, um, and just one bag would equate to, uh, in that day, what was called a denarii, 6,000 of them. A denarii was one day's worth, one day's wage for one day's worth of labor. So 6,000 days worth of working was handed to him in one of those talents. Now, uh, if you think about that, that equates basically to 20 years worth of work. If today you make $15 an hour and you make $15 an hour for the next 20 years and you work every day, you're gonna end up with, that's about $30,000 a year, $600,000. So the master comes to his servant, he gives him five bags of $600,000. Or if you make $50,000 a year, maybe it's a million dollars in each bag. That's just if it's silver. But if it's a bag of gold, <laughs> then it's, it's really worth a lot, right? We're not even gonna mess with figuring that. But, but the point is, he, he entrusts them with great wealth, great wealth. And to one, he gives five talents, five bags of gold. The other two talents, two bags of gold. And the third one, one bag of gold. And we read here that it was, and keep this in mind, it was according to their ability. He had a good gauge, a good assessment on his people, on his servants. Well, then we read that we keep going here in verse 16 and uh, we read that uh, he who had received five talents, at once he went and traded with them and he made uh, five talents more. He had five bags of gold, he went, invested it and he got five more bags over time. So also he who had the two talents, he made two talents more. But he who had received the one bag of gold, the one talent, he went and dug in the ground and he hid his master's money. Uh, and, and again, some translations even say five, they'll say bags of gold instead of just talents there. Now remember, they were given this according to their ability. Some got, one got five, one got two, one got one. And then we read in verse 19 that after a long time away, the master came back and he returned. And he came to his servants to settle accounts with them. And to the one uh, who had received the five talents, first he came forward and he brought five more bags of gold with him. And he said, master, you delivered to me five talents, five bags of gold. So here, I've made five more. Now, I, I don't have one bag of gold, let alone five, but if I gave a friend five bags of gold and I went away for a couple months and I came back, and they handed me 10 bags. What would you be thinking? Okay, what else can I give this guy? You know, what else can I give him to, to make money for me? I mean, this is, I would be so pleased, would you? Well, his master here is the, the same case. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. 
that you've been faithful over a little, I'll set you over much. I'm gonna give you more responsibility. And, and then he says this, it's kind of curious, we'll talk about this in just a bit, but enter into the joy of your master. That there was joy for him in serving and making a profit for this guy. Um, so the, the master, just to re- review here, he'd been gone a long time. Uh, and what this guy did is he invested that gold. He invested the money, not in the stock market. They didn't have that then. But he might have uh, invested it in a business. He might have invested it in real estate. And then he, he sold uh, whatever he had invested it in for a profit. And he continued this. Maybe he, made a, maybe he started a company and made some money and then sold it for more of a profit. And, and over time, he made a lot of money. He was faithful with that. His five bags of gold became 10. His uh, $5 million became $10 million. And then when the master returned, he would just joyfully gave it all back to him. Well, uh, then we read about the second guy. Also, uh, he also, who had the two talents, came forward after this, and he said, Master, you delivered to me two talents, two bags of gold, and so I've made, I've made two more. And his master said to him, why didn't you make five? Because he made five. That's not what it says, by the way, if you don't have your Bible open. That's not at all what he says. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. It wasn't about how much he had made. It was about how fruitful he was with what he had. So this isn't a story. This isn't Jesus telling us a story that some people are better because maybe they have more gifts or more talent or more resources. He's saying the thing that defines you in my kingdom and whether I'm gonna give you more responsibility and bless you is I've entrusted you with something and I wanna see you grow that. So each of them were equally fruitful. They both doubled what had been given to them. One wasn't better than the other. They were just simply both faithful. Sometimes you can read this and you can think, yeah, I can't, I don't know, I don't have much though. He's not gonna be happy with me. Well, be fruitful. Just be fruitful with what he's given you. Um, so uh, he too then, uh, both of them, they just, they, they loved their master. They were given a lot of wealth to manage. And, but it was nothing compared to what they were gonna be given. Nothing compared to what they'd be set over later in the kingdom and and even, uh, not only this, but they were able to share in the master's joy. They got to share in his joy. It's kind of like working in a job that you love. You know, you, you maybe love to see if you enjoy your job, your, your company, your, your boss prosper. Why? Because when, when they prosper, it's, it's not just good for him, it's good for you. And there's, there's just joy and you want to apply yourself and serve and see things grow and there's joy in it. And, and these guys had, had joy serving and they were gonna get even more joy entering into the joy of their master. Well, then the third guy shows up and he'd received, do you remember how many bags of gold he got? Just the one, right? According to his ability. Apparently the master's assessment was he can, he can handle one, so that's what I'm gonna give him. So let's see what happens when, when he comes in after the master returns. Well, uh, verse 24, he who had received the one talent came forward and he said, master, I, I knew you to be a hard man. Just a quick question. Did the master we just read about sound like a hard man? Like somebody who is harsh? It makes you wonder if this guy really even knows his master, doesn't it? 
Because to my account, he was incredibly generous. But he says, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you didn't sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I, I, I was afraid, and I just, I went, I hid your talent in the ground. Here you go, I dug it up, I dusted off the dirt, you can have it back. Here's your money. You know, uh, so first he comes in and he alleges the master's a jerk. <laughs> you're, you're a hard man. He, that he just exploits his servants and builds his wealth on their backs that he's demanding and ruthless. And it just makes me think, this guy maybe didn't really know his master and maybe he uh, was a bit resentful in his heart or certainly on the edge of it. I mean, because if, if he's successful in what he's been given, then, well, the master gets it all anyway. But if I fail in what I've been given, then, well, then I'm gonna be, you know, made accountable for that and that's no good. So I, I'm just gonna bury it so I don't lose anything and I'll give it back to him and we'll go on with life. Um, he digs the hole, buries it, and the master comes back and he digs it up, brings it to him. I was afraid, you're kind of a jerk. So, uh, but I kept what's yours, so don't blame me. Here you go. <laughs> you know, I wonder what the master would do. Would he just say, okay, well, thanks. Um, look at verse 26. His master answered him. He said, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I've scattered no seed, he asks. Well, then you should have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received my own back with interest. At least you could have done that. Now, initially we read this and we might have a little bit of sympathy, maybe more than we should for this third guy because um, we're reading it with kind of our Western goggles on. But the reality is this guy, it says that he was the man's servant, his slave. In other words, uh, this guy owned him. He, he was serving with things that weren't his. He wasn't his own. His life wasn't his own. And as such, he's beholden to his master. But when he's given a certain task, he's supposed to do it. But instead, he decides he has the right to just refuse that. And rather than taking it on, he just disobeys and buries it in the ground. What a huge contrast between this guy and the first two. The first two love this particular master, right? They serve him with faithfulness. They immediately in invest their money that they'd been entrusted with and they, they get a return and then they joyfully bring it back to him. And the master approves them, but this guy, he just wants to go his own independent route. Like he's just not even a servant at all. He, he thinks he has the authority to do whatever he wants with his stuff and with his life. And then he proves his foolishness by not obeying and really kind of his idiocy by just burying it in the ground. If he's so afraid, why not put it in the bank? Make a little interest at least. And so the master judges him. Which of course the master here is referring to Jesus. So take the talent from him and, and give it to him who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, not even what, even what he has, excuse me, will be taken away. And cast that worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a description that shows up uh, six times in the gospels in Matthew and Luke. And uh, it refers to, uh, to hell and to uh, those who don't trust Jesus to pay the penalty for their sin and don't receive his payment by faith and instead decide uh, they're gonna 
try to reconcile themselves before a perfect and holy God. And so it tells me that this was a guy, this servant, even though uh, he was owned by God because the earth, the, the earth and all that's in it belongs to the Lord, um, he never came to know him. He never really gave himself in joy to his master. And there were uh, just deadly consequences for him. But we've worked through the parable now. Uh, so what does it mean? And what's it mean for us? It's pre- particularly, remember, Jesus is talking about waiting for him. And so the first thing is we should wait as servants. Recognizing, if, listen, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've turned to him in faith, you've given yourself fully to him by faith, you're no longer your own, you're his. You, you belong to him. Uh, this isn't merely like the idea like you're a servant in the sense of maybe you go to serve your neighbor and just be nice to him and do something nice for him once in a while. That's, that's good, by the way, to do that. But um, it's really more than that. It's, it's the idea of, and some of your translations in your hands might even say a, a slave, a bond servant. You're bound to the master, bound to serve and obey and honor him. And we might think of that negatively, but, but really it's a, it's a good thing. Paul says, you're not your own for you were bought with a price. And again, we might be thinking again, okay, so I'm, I'm a slave, that doesn't sound great. But it actually is good news because we have a good master. We're, we're a bond servant of him. He, he, his desire for our lives is everything good. When he tells us don't do this, what God's really saying is don't hurt yourself. When he's saying do this, do this because this will bring joy in your life. Uh, We sang this morning, John 3, 16, God so what the world? Loved the world. He loves you. He wants you to be his, to turn to him. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew 7, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who's in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him, to his children? Jeremiah 29, maybe you've heard this if you've been around the church at all. uh, For I know the plans I have for you, God declares. He's saying that to a group of people, the Israelites who are being taken away into slavery, being punished for their sin. He says, by the way, I know the plans I have for you. And even though you're gonna pay, uh, and you have consequence in your life, um, my plans for you are to give you a hope and a future and good things. And while that's a promise to a specific people, it's also a promise to us because we too are God's people. And he has good plans for his people. And he loves you. In fact, uh, it's good to belong to God, to be his, to be a servant, to wait as a servant because Jesus is a good shepherd. Look at what he says. He says, I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd uh, lays down his life for the sheep. He doesn't beat his sheep. He lays down his life for them. But, but he who's a hired hand doesn't really own the sheep and not a shepherd. It doesn't own him. He, he sees the wolf coming and he, he leaves the sheep and he flees. And then the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. He's just worried about himself, basically. But Jesus says this, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. So it's good to be owned by God because he's a good God. So one of the things we're supposed to wait is servants and not just the servants, you know, just waiting around passively, but those who are commissioned, we've been given something to do. See the difference between those two who 
who were able to grow what they had been given, the talents they were given, and the one who doesn't is their orientation to their master. The first two, they, they delight in their role. Uh, they recognize that they've been given an assignment by him. They delight in their role because they delight in their master. They, they love him. And they know his heart toward them is, is for good, and it is good. And being servants and slaves, it doesn't restrict them, it actually sets them free. Because it all belongs to him. And I just get to enjoy it and use it and grow it for him. And, and there's the pressure's off because he's made me his own. Uh, in one of the uh, parables we looked at last week, there were foolish bridesmaids who failed by thinking maybe their part in waiting was too easy, so they didn't really prepare for the future. And when the master showed up, they weren't ready. Well, in this one, um, this guy fails not because he thinks his part's too easy, but because he thinks it's too hard. He doesn't work at it. He doesn't want to. But, but God has given us things to do. And we might think it's hard, but I'm gonna show you something here in a moment where you're gonna find out that actually it's God who does that work in us. So it's not too hard. He, he's commissioned us with the great commission to make disciples and uh, draw people to him. He's uh, commissioned us to, to, in whatever we do, to do it as unto the Lord. He's commissioned us to, to love one another, John 13, 34, to extend his kingdom. And he's commissioned us and he's, he's sent us. We're sent. This is our mission as a church, right? We've been, been sent. And Jesus says, just like the father sent me to you, I'm sending you to everybody else. He sends us to love people. And, and by the way, that begins with the people across the room, the people sitting next to you, the people you run into and bang into in the foyer after church today, out in the commons. You're sent to love people, but not just here, also everywhere else in our community, to love them and invite them to know the joy of being owned by their master, of serving him. He doesn't just give us menial things to do, he gives us keys to the kingdom uh, with great purpose and destiny, and he wants us to Im improve his assets. See, uh, we're to wait as servants who are commissioned to improve the master's assets. While we wait, we're not waiting passively. You know, we're, we're, we're to be improving what we've been given. Laying up treasures, as Jesus said, in heaven, where we're wroth and, or we're wroth, we're moth and rust. Don't, uh, don't destroy, and a thief doesn't break in and steal, but where they're kept for eternity not just passively waiting, biding our time, twiddling our thumbs, but ready, working, doing what we're called to do. And friend, Jesus has things to do in your vocation, in your home, in your creative life, and whatever these areas are, he has things for you to do and to do them for his glory and others' good and your joy. And you're like, I don't know, Josh, I'm old. I don't know that I have anything to do. Moses was 80, when he saw the burning bush. And then for the next 40 years, he led a bunch of grumpy people across the wilderness. If you're still breathing, God's not done with you. He has good things for you. It may look different now than it did before, but he still has things for you and he loves you and wants you to know his joy and, and you still have opportunity to invest more, even, even if it's just in small ways. 
But Paul says the same thing in a different way. He says, therefore, loved ones, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. See now, uh, when we say we're to improve the master's assets, you gotta understand, and what Jesus is saying here in this parable is not that somehow by increasing what's been given to you, you're earning your way in. That's religion. That's not what he's saying. Remember, how are you supposed to wait as what? As a servant. Guess what that means? You're already in. (laughs) You don't have to earn your way in. Everything that you have isn't yours. It belongs to him. And now you wait as a servant, just just serving him because he's graciously given you all those things and entrusted them to you to to live. So you're you're not earning your way in, you're owned. If you know Christ and he knows you, you're already in and you need to live like it and obey. That's why Paul says, uh, you're already saved, so, so work it out. Live it out. Be who you truly are and, and improve the master's assets. See, uh, let me go back there for just a moment. That's the amazing part of being a follower of Jesus is that he gives us work to do. He tells us to improve his assets, how to live. But then what's crazy is he actually sends his Holy Spirit to work in us and he does the work. Look at verse 13 for, it's God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So uh, he rescues you, he does it all, he saves you, and then he works by his spirit in you, empowering you to to live out a life that's honoring to him and, and serving him. And then at the end of your life, even though he did all the work, he looks at you and he goes, way to go. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. So there really is no burden. It's a joy to serve a master like that and to be owned by him. Well, um, friends, as we uh, wrap up today, uh, as we continue and then wrap up, I should say, we have the opportunity just to look at um, our church, at some good things that have been happening, at uh, where God's taking us, and also ways that we can invest right here recognizing that we're servants and we're commissioned to improve the master's assets because by the way, everything belongs to the Lord, the psalmist writes. The earth belongs to the Lord and so does everything in it. The world belongs to him and so do all of those who live in it. Everyone, everything is his. And your greatest joy is when you live in light of that. Repent of your sin, which just means to turn, turn to Jesus, follow him, be made new and have joy and purpose. So uh, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna pray. And then uh, we have our annual meeting following the service, which you're welcome to stick around for. But before we get there, we just wanna share, uh, Pastor Dave's gonna share a little bit of his heart with you uh, for ministry and for the direction of our church. And uh, we're gonna hear from some people who are investing in our church with their time, talent, treasure. And uh, then I'm gonna give you just a brief overview of kind of where we're heading in the months to come. And then we'll we'll wrap up uh, and call it a morning and, Uh, go from there. But let me pray right now, and then Pastor Dave's gonna come share his heart a little bit. Uh, Father, thank you for Jesus. Lord, thank you uh, that we can wait as yours, as your servants. We're we're owned by you. We belong to you. Holy Spirit, let that reality change the way we live. Work in and through us so that uh, we would live out the mission you've given to us, and we would grow the good things you've given to us for your glory and for others good, and and ultimately then for our joy. Father, I pray too for those who haven't trusted you 
and uh, that today might be the day they just simply turn to you in faith and just say, Lord, I believe, I trust you, I need you, save me. And you promise to do that and give them purpose as well. Father, thanks for Jesus. Thanks for your church here. Amen. Thanks, Josh, so much. Hey, church family, good to be here today. Exciting Sunday. I'm uh, coming up on three years this fall. I, my official title is the equipping pastor, so I oversee connections, ministry, along with Randy and Rob and life groups, uh, outreach, oversee uh, student ministries, and so that's all those things. You could look up my job description or I could show it to you, but I just wanna take a few moments just to share you, with you what drives and guides me as a pastor, what really makes me tick. Just a few bullet points. Christ the center. John 8, 12, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Even last night when we're at Camp Mac uh, during the Send gathering, we just had several times to have a little breakout time uh, discussions. What motivates and drives me is just my own personal relationship with Jesus, that he's the living God, that he's real, uh, that I can always turn to him. Starting from the, my freshman year in college, just really discovering that it's not all about rules and, and duties or, or you have to do this to be a follower of Jesus, but just that he's real, that I can talk to him, that I could walk with him. And that's followed me all through my ministry or when I wasn't a vocational pastor, when I was working in the factory. What gives me joy, what, what lights my fire, what gets me up in the morning is just my connection with Jesus. And that's always uh, in the forefront for all of you um, at, with life groups, with youth ministries. I mean, just that's always just what I'm aiming for. Just that for you and me both, that uh, it's not dry or stale, but that it's living and that it's growing, that it's always fresh in my relationship with Christ, that he's the center, or as we often say here in our, our values, that it is all about Jesus. That's not just rhetoric, but that it's seeking to make that a reality, um, not just an intellectual belief, but how am I doing that today? Um, and, I, and that's just my encouragement, whether you're a brand new Christian or whether you've been a Christian for 50 years, how are you, uh, how are you making it fresh with Jesus today? Because he's always fresh. Second one would be transformation over information. Just as pastor, I'll just give you a little, little secret that, you know, for Josh and I or whoever, you know, it's fine if you come up to us and say, oh, great message, that was just so, so interesting. But what we're always driving for is just change that I'm always in process, Josh is always in process, we're always growing, that Christ is about setting us free, that it's never just coming to learn like, oh, that was interesting about Jesus, but that Jesus is real, that he sets me free, that in my darkest hour, he's there, that whatever my problem is, whatever my crisis, that there's hope in Christ. He's, he's God, he's the king, he's all powerful, all wise, and all loving. And so the verse for that, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Social media, TV, the internet, music, there's, there's two patterns that the devil, the world is always trying to conform us relentlessly, whether you are aware of it or not. 
God has a pattern to conform you to the true man or woman he's, he made you to be. In the image of his son, Jesus. You're, you could be his son, his daughter. And so that's always a reality, whether you acknowledge it or not. And so always what's driving me in my head and my heart is just transformation over information. It's great. I hope we do find it uh, interesting that it satisfies our intellectual curiosity, but just that we're driving for changed lives. We're always in process. In our community, as we face, whether we work in the school, in the factories, in the office, just that we're an element, an agent of, of transforming, of life change, of freedom in Christ. Uh, number three would be uh, everybody gets to play. I heard it from a football announcer yesterday when I watched a little bit of uh, Northwestern Nebraska, and I hear it all the time. It's football season, and if you're not a football fan, what, they, what they're always talking, they'll say something like, uh, we need to throw that wide receiver the ball. We need to get him involved in the game right away. If we don't get that wide receiver involved in the game, he kind of like tunes out and, and doesn't play with much energy or enthusiasm. We need, and so healthy churches are about getting everybody gets to play. Unhealthy churches, just, you know, well, as long as Fred or Joe are doing their job, and I can think of Bart Taylor. When I came here about three years ago, and Bart is, what does Bart uh, do, like, sometime during the week? He mows the grass. There's less grass now, Bart, isn't there? There's a lot less grass. There's more concrete, less grass, less, uh, the mowing team has commented to me about how it's less mowing out there, so it's kind of nice, though. At least one guy that seems a little disappointed that there's not quite as much to mow. Grass has been taken away from him. I think you had one or two guys maybe helping you, and we had this conversation. I remember it pretty clearly. It was kind of humorous, a uh, back and forth interchange. But, and so I, I've thought about, you know, an unhealthy church would be, as long as Bart Taylor is just mowing, that's great for Bart means I don't have to do it. Kind of like don't ask, don't tell. As long as Bart just keeps year after year after year mowing, you know, if he's ever in Greencroft, Josh now, we'll just go pick up Bart and bring him down here from whatever nursing home he's at, put him on his handicapped accessible lawnmower, and, you know, one day we, we, we walk out and he's slumped over there. I mean, then we'll worry about finding someone else to mow the churchyard for the next 30 years. That's not the church we want to be. We, unhealthy churches just like don't ask, don't tell. Well, as long as they're serving, we're just gonna like hope that they keep serving until they leave the church or burn out or you know, throw a huff and walk out the door. But this year especially, just uh, I wanna be sharper in my own position of just September 1st, August 31st. Whether you're serving on Thrive Leadership or Forge Ministry Team or Greeter, but just that we acknowledge that, hey, it's a fresh year. Raw, let's go. Um, we want people who you want to make sure you feel called and just let, let's serve, let's invest in the kingdom as our great message this morning. And just always, I've talked to just about all my ministry leaders. They know just that let's be looking to replace ourselves, to make ourselves replaceable at all times. Uh, Chad's helping me with AIM. Um, prayer ministry, Lori, I mean, just everyone's looking to life group leaders. Marching orders are to, you know, find an apprentice, be, make yourself replaceable. That's, what, that's the kind of church we want to be. So one more I'll say is uh, relationships that make a real difference with life group leaders. I always talk about, you know, at the, somewhere in your life group meeting, separate men and women, 
Take a little time to share about personal prayer requests and then pray for each other. Take time to be honest, to be confidential, to be safe, to carry each other's burdens, to not just talk about what, what Jesus encourages to do, to, to, to be and to actually do that, to enter into one another's lives. Christian relationships are, are designed by God to be life-giving, powerful, unlike any other relationship you have, that you have the bond of the blood of Christ. You understand forgiveness like no other people. Christianity is uniquely social as opposed to any other religions that focus just on doing, but that we are to be a certain type of person with relationship. And so we wanna go for relationships and the, and the word there is and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Life is tough. Life is hard. We need one another. We're supposed to. God's good design to love one another, to help carry. If I'm down, I need you to carry me. If you're down, I wanna be there to carry you. Relationships that matter. So this morning, annual meeting, great Sunday. Excited for this uh, upcoming year um, about all that God is doing um, with my AIM class, with our life groups, with different opportunities, outreach. But I want to invite a couple people up right now. Just, uh, I could have called so many people, but um, I'm going to ask Travis and Cassidy to come on up. And I've just asked these two just to come. I got a few questions for them. See if they get it right here, the second service. You had first service, you know. <laughs> you study in between services. Uh, what's that say on your, I can help. Yes, you can. <laughs> uh, no one can read that anyway. It says, go Buckeyes, beat Irish, right? <laughs> love it, love it. It is that time of year. So, for you two, how? Are you investing in the kingdom? Cassidy, here you go. Um, I'm investing in the kingdom through impact. Uh, junior hires, uh, I have a hard time. Like when I stepped into that ministry, I was really nervous because I couldn't remember junior high at all. I know it was probably rough, um, but I have junior hires in my house and I know how important it is to have other people that aren't your mom or your dad in your life because you really don't like your parents at that point in life. And so I wanted to be able to pour in God's love into them. And it's amazing when you step out and do something that you're not really sure you might be good at and God kind of pours into you and provides for you. So that has been a blessing for me. So when I think the word invest, I think investing for my future retirement. Um, but for, to bring it back to a church perspective, it's investing in our church, which invests into the Big C Church. So Cass, you mentioned one of the things you do, but just uh, I'm gonna give you back the mic and just tell us a little bit about what exactly, and anything further, what exactly you're doing, um, you know, what actual ministries inside the church, outside the church uh, that you're engaged in and what's motivating you with those. And Travis, I'll give it to you first. So I currently serve back in the kids wing doing check-in or um, small group leader for the third and fourth grade. 
I also help with the salt company. Um, no woot woot this, this service. Um, let's see. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, let's see. What else? Um, I'm a life group co-leader. Um, I also help with the Wallace Community Summer Baseball League where I'm a coach. And this past spring, my wife and I actually got to adopt a business in Milford where we got to pray for them and just kind of encourage the owner and stuff like that. I forget the question. Um, I'm involved in... Thank you. Sorry. Short, short-term memory loss, I think. Um, I am involved in Impact. I said that. Junior high, please join Impact. We need Impact leaders um, because next year, my nine-year-old, Marshall, who's a really strong personality, is going to need some guys to pour into him. Um, but I'm also uh, joining the prayer ministry team, which I feel blessed to be a part of because I love to pray for people. Um, I'm also outside of the church involved in a small group community um, for homeschoolers that uh, we try to equip students to know God and make him known. Um, so I feel blessed to be a part of that. And I feel like the Holy Spirit just pours into me through his word and I can't help but pour out into others. And so I try to look for opportunities to do that. So last question, tell us, um, you know, what would you say to the person here who's brand new to the church, brand new to Jesus and, and following him, or, you know, maybe they've been here a long time and just for a fresh season of, of investing in the kingdom, what would you say just to encourage them or challenge? Um, if you aren't serving somewhere, you are missing out on Holy Spirit opportunities for yourself to grow closer to the Lord, for your trust and faith in God to grow. You're missing out on joy because it feels really good. I think that's just something God designed in us. It feels really good to serve other people, to pray for somebody, to care for somebody, to invest in somebody. It feels really good to see someone come to know Jesus for the first time and to have a part in that. So I would encourage anybody, even if you're one of those people that has teeth and you can smile and shake hands, that's an easy way to help someone feel welcome and um, show the love of Jesus. All right, um, football analogy. If you're on the sidelines, get in the game. It will change your life. Um, it would help the ministry leaders at this church tremendously. Every ministry that is currently involved with this church is short help, and we really, really, really need the help. Um, because if we don't start helping, the leaders that we have right now are gonna to start to burn out and then we're gonna be really, really short. So please get off the sidelines and get in the game. Thank you both, give them a round of applause. Thank you, Cassidy. Thank you, Travis. Hey, drop that red lanyard in the trash now that it's been desecrated. <laughs> hey, just a couple more things. I'm gonna give it back to Josh. Everyone's busy. 
everyone is busy. There's so many choices to choose from with all our time, but I believe in the kingdom of God, the, the eternal kingdom, it's gonna last forever. Of all the choices we can make, there's great opportunities. Talk to myself or one of our ministry leaders. Uh, everybody gets to play. There's a place for you. Yes, we're kicking off the new ministry year, but there's, there's slots to fill, and I would love to have you join in. Just a late, uh, a great last verse just to wrap up with is from Matthew chapter six. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Our heart is with Christ and we wanna just keep investing in his kingdom this great, great new year. Thank you, good to be here. Give it back to... to well, thankful for for you, Dave, and your ministry, and uh, Cassidy, Travis, ways you guys serve. I'm glad you're, you and your families are part of our church. And uh, same could be said about so many of you who serve and uh, give faithfully of your time, talent, treasure. Um, it's just a joy to be able to serve as your pastor and to be here. And so, really, really grateful for you. You, you really are loved, and I uh, love you. Um, as we wrap up, I just want to remind us of a few things uh, kind of about who we are. I think it's good for us just as we look ahead to the coming year and we're gonna take a ton of time here. But um, first off is just, you know, our, our core values. We have five of them. I wonder how many of you know them? One of the ways to help you remember them is uh, the first four of them all have the word all in them, if that's helpful. So that's maybe one thing to help you. But first off, by the way, these are things that hopefully over time, if you hang around with us long enough, you're gonna see these things to be true of us. And we wanna see these things lived out in our lives individually too. First, it's all about Jesus. Apart from him, I mean, you're gonna hear me talk about Jesus all the time. And uh, hopefully not just up here, but in life in general. And uh, he's our only hope. We're wasting our time apart from him and his death, burial, resurrection, and his life. Second, God wrote it all down. You know, if you come, we're not gonna preach self-help. We're gonna preach how uh, turning to Jesus offers help. And uh, we're gonna preach his word. And so if, if I'm not up here, if I start preaching something that's not the gospel, that's a good time to fire me at one of these annual meetings because uh, that's not what we're about. We wanna be about God's word. God wrote it all down. Uh, number three, all people matter. No matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what you've done or what's been done to you, you don't, you don't have to clean yourself up to be loved. Uh, by being loved and, and accepting that love, the love of Christ especially, it begins to change you. And that's what cleans you up. You matter to God and you matter to us. Um, third, we all need friends. Life can get pretty lonely. I think everybody knows that. And we need friends. And um, we need to be friends to one another. And uh, then fourth, this one is uh, really kind of an aspirational value where we say no sacred cows. You know, God's word is sacred. Jesus is sacred. The gospel is sacred. And we hold it with a clenched fist. And if we're gonna fight about something, let's swing the fist on those things. And there's other things that we might have strong opinions on or convictions on even. But at the end of the day, if I let go of that, I'll be okay because I've got these things firmly in grip. And that's what creates unity in our church, being willing to change and uh, to, to go after these things with an abandon and to make sure stuff that belongs in the open hand doesn't get snatched up by the closed fist so we don't fight about the wrong things. Um, 
Third, if you're a part of our church, if you call this place home, we want you to do uh, three things. We've talked mission, we're sent to love people. We've talked during the message, we've talked values, and now uh, what do I do? Well, uh, three things if you call this place home. First, we want you to gather. We want you to be here with us regularly, to show up on a Sunday morning, worship with us and rub shoulders with people, grab coffee, slow down, uh, get into some of those relationships. Uh, Second, we want you not just to show up, but to grow up, to get connected into a growth ministry where you can grow spiritually. Uh, Come to Forge, men, first Saturday, generally speaking, of most months. Uh, Ladies, thrive, the third Saturday of most months that morning. And uh, sometimes those are a little different and there's retreats and other things that happen. You get involved in a life group, uh, where you can do life with other people uh, and uh, pray for one another and just grow together and develop some of those friendships. And then third, we want you to go. Not like leave, like go away. We want you to go serve. That's what we mean. Get plugged in. You know, uh, the church never really will feel like family until you're serving as part of it. And uh, encourage you to get plugged in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and then as we, as we wrap up this morning, um, you, you've got a copy as you walked in of our annual report. And there's a lot of info in there just kind of celebrating where God has taken us over this last year. Uh, there's a letter from me, uh, from Darren. Uh, there's some information uh, about uh, financially where we're at in our budget. And we're gonna cover that in our meeting here shortly uh, if you choose to stick around. But I encourage you to read through that and check those things out. I'm not gonna cover it with you again right now. Um, but a couple uh, highlights here coming this next ministry year. We think of our ministry year from September to August, so it kind of follows the school year. Uh, First off is uh, today we're gonna be appointing uh, some elders to our College of Elders in our meeting to follow, and so we're excited about that and just uh, how we go about leadership, and you'll hear more about that a little later this morning if you stay. Um, But a couple highlights coming up this fall. First is uh, in October, on October 9th, on Sunday, October 9th, we're going to... uh, be involved in something uh, for an organization called Mission of Hope. And uh, they work uh, primarily in Haiti, Dominican, and we're gonna pack uh, meals that morning. We're actually partnering uh, with North Webster Church of God to do this. Uh, They approached us and we got to know their pastors and have enjoyed that relationship. And uh, we're just blessed by so many different gospel teaching, gospel preaching churches in our area. And so this is a fun opportunity for us to partner with brothers and sisters of ours. And so that morning, the uh, message will be a little shorter and then we'll file over to the fellowship hall and between the two services, we're gonna pack 30,000 meals together to send down there. And uh, the other thing to let you know about that is there is cost with that. It's about 30 cents a meal. So if you wanna give towards that, you'll hear more about it, but you're, you're free uh, to give more towards that as well. You can just designate it Mission of Hope. Uh, third, speaking of uh, just mission opportunities, excited with the parking lot being done, but uh, there's still more coming with that in the sense that we're tithing off of that to fund the construction of a home for destitute girls in Southeast Asia. We've done this with some boys already and this this home will house uh, now 60 to 70 girls. And uh, we'll be forwarding some of those funds here this next month and construction will begin and we'll keep you posted on that. And then last but not least, as we wrap up, uh, starting in two weeks, uh, uh, September 11th, we're gonna start into the New Testament book of Acts. And as we study Acts, uh, it's gonna actually take us a full year to work our way through it uh, in, 
on Sunday mornings. And what the book of Acts is about is it basically chronicles the story of how after Jesus ascended and went back to be with the Father, how the church began and how did it spread. I mean, it really kind of tells the story of how we all ended up here, how that early church got started. And you see different parallels into like the letters of the New Testament. You can find uh, where they were written back in the book of Acts and the people they were written to. And you get ideas and glimpses into those things. And, and one of the things of those letters is there was, because Christianity was, was new, I mean, God wasn't new, but this idea of being saved by grace through faith in Christ, this full understanding of God's plan that had been revealed, it was new. And so people were constantly just kind of even subliminally asking this question, what does it look like to live as a Christian? Nobody had ever done that before. And so when we study the book of Acts, we're gonna see that. How did these people live out being brand new followers of Jesus? And how did they continue to live it out? And in the same way then, how do we live it out? And I see two primary things there, I'll just share with you briefly. First, we saw great unity in that early church because they were unified around the things that go in the closed fist and didn't worry too much about these things. Uh, see, it says in Acts 4.32, the full number of those who believed, they were of one heart and soul. There was unity and joy. And as, as there was unity there, then their mission was more effective and God got more glory, other people got more good and they got more and more joy. So by God's grace, my prayer is he'd continue to, to bind us together in the unity of the gospel as a church family. And uh, the second thing though, we see not just their heart for one another, but we see their mission then and how that heart extended out from there. Acts 1 verse eight really gives an overview of the entire book of Acts of this history. And Jesus says to his disciples before his ascension, he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, which the Holy Spirit still works in and through us today. And he says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He says this to them while they're, while they're in Jerusalem. So here's a map of the Middle East, um, Mediterranean area and uh, you have Israel over here, really this tiny little speck that's blown up right here. And they were in Jerusalem. He says, you're gonna be my witnesses right here in Jerusalem. And then as you continue to love one another and continue to serve one another and invite other people to follow me as well, you're gonna grow in your ministry. You're gonna, you're gonna become witnesses, not just here, but in Judea and the surrounding area. And then it's gonna to continue to flourish and not just Samaria, but, or Judea, but to Samaria, the, the surrounding region there. And, and it's not gonna stop there. It's gonna to grow to the ends of the earth, even all the way to some cornfields in Indiana. And that was their mission. And we see that played out throughout the book of Acts as the church grows. And, but it, it gives us kind of some cues for how to go about life as a church too. Because if, if Luke had written that and if, if God in his providence had decided, I'm not gonna um, show up in Israel, I'm gonna show up in Indiana. And maybe uh, instead of Jerusalem, it was Milford or Syracuse or Wallasee. Then uh, Jesus might've said this, for you'll be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses in Wallasee. Right there, right where you're at. And then uh, from Wallasee, it'll spread to all of Kosciuszko County maybe even bleed up into Elkhart County or Noble County. 
And uh, from there, all of Northern Indiana, you'll be my witnesses there. And in fact, even from this tiny place, the gospel will spread to the ends of the earth. And friends, that's our, that's our mission. We're sent to love people, to invite them to follow Jesus with us. And uh, I just, I, I exhort you as you head out today, be about that. Be about investing and growing what's been entrusted to you. And uh, you've been commissioned and sent to do it. So with that, I'm gonna pray and uh, we're just gonna stop here this morning and I have some music play here in a bit, but uh, we're gonna actually throw up a, a countdown timer in a little while, about five minutes for those of you who are sticking around for the meeting and you can come back in, but feel free to get up, uh, walk around. If you have kids in kids ministry, uh, uh, my understanding is you can leave them there until after the meeting. If you can't, you can tell Trisha when she's running for you, Josh told me I could leave him there. Um, but I believe that's the, that's the plan. And then we'll gather here and uh, have our annual business meeting as a church family. So let me pray. And uh, then we'll dismiss here for a bit and then regather.